Hello and welcome back to the Calvary Tabernacle Young Adults Podcast. We're so glad you're listening and we hope you continue to do so. This episode is the ninth and final part of our Unplugged series. We hope that you've been blessed by these recordings and that you've been encouraged to unplug from the philosophies and systems of this world and to stand for truth. The powers that be thought it fitting to wrap up the series with the elder statesman of the young adults class. He certainly should be no stranger to you at this point. Without further ado, Brother Bobby Kilmer. I do like uh, the intent of this um, uh, little series that we're doing, the Unplugged series, because again, what we're trying to do is deal with kind of the big uh, cultural issues and especially the cultural issues as manifested on the college campus, because that's where uh, lots of you have either been or are or uh, some of the guys coming in and gals coming in from downstairs where they're going to be. All right, so I'm, I'm going to try to do my best to kind of give kind of the overview, point out a couple of things that I think are interesting, and then uh, wrap up and maybe ask you some questions. You know, if I don't get very much involvement, maybe I'll just say, hey, you know, you can be like, Brother Kilman, leave me alone. Okay, they're like, I'm never coming to young adults again. Okay, all right, so I will take some risk. Blame it on me, not Brother Brzezinski. And I just want to dive in. Now, the big structure of this uh, series has been interesting to me because when we were brainstorming talking about it, we're talking about three dynamics kind of as a way because three is just an easy way to remember things. And it's a little bit arbitrary to do three. We could do subsets of each, Brother Brzezinski, and I think that's what we uh, ran into. We realized, you know, very quickly how thick this uh, conversation is. But I I just want to reiterate some things and then uh, maybe uh, point out maybe one at least new thing so that you're aware and then... Uh, point out one little thing from Scripture, and we'll wrap up tonight. I don't intend to go that long. <laughs> one laugh of derision, the rest are just skeptical. <laughs> okay, but I promise I'm, I am going to do my best to wrap up. My wife's got some fun little snacks back there, and we'll fellowship, and maybe we can talk a little bit. I, I know we're do, talking about Brother Brzezinski doing a Q&A, and so what I would say is uh, hopefully you've noticed that uh, there's no way to talk about everything that you're going to face, every argument you're going to hear, uh, every dynamic of the college or the culture. And so uh, when when you're thinking about the future Q&A, I think that's the place you ask the big questions. Okay, things that you face and things that maybe you've gotten answers to yourself, but you think are worthy questions for maybe some of your uh, peers and contemporaries to hear. And I think that would be a beautiful thing. Let me just echo Brother Brzezinski, and say uh, that the the people in this room have demonstrated that you're plugged into the will and the work of God here, uh, both when it's fun and when it's hard, and uh, I think that demonstrates uh, loyalty to the to the kingdom, and uh, de- and I just want to praise you for that. Okay, so number one, issues in the classroom. Now, I, what I want to try to do is not I'm not trying to be too negative tonight, but I I do want to point out realities. So the first issue, like we talked about issues in the classroom, and we're not going to revisit all the things that are taught that are not rooted in the Christian worldview. But I do want to name tonight that there's kind of a radical worldview and ideological imbalance on college campuses today. And to quote Brother Brzezinski, I think it's one of the best things I've heard in this series, Brother Brzezinski, is you say say, uh, college is culture concentrated. 
That is absolutely the case because people are trained to walk out into venues and then represent their worldview that they picked up from the institutions in the culture. And I'm going to talk about how you're the counter of that, right, uh, when we get to the end. So, uh, you know, when people say that there is a radical imbalance on college campuses, that's easy to say, and I think most of you will say that, yeah, I have felt that. How many of you have felt that on the college campus? You know that you're the minority. They don't talk about, like, the conservative. And, and so I do want to I, I want to point out some things that, that this is not just like conservative paranoia uh, paranoia they're, they're, and looking at numbers really do help this. So let me point out a couple of things. I just want to name some things tonight. The National Association of Scholars did a little study and in their study, this is what they said. There are more than 10 professors affiliated with the Democratic Party for every faculty faculty member who is a registered Republican. Now that's across the board in every college inside the United States. Now that's not shocking, right? Not to you. But, you know, I, I think it's interesting that if you go a little deeper, there was an associate press, uh, professor um, at Brooklyn College, uh, Mitchell Langbert, and he, he started looking at the tenure track for the Ph.D. holding professors at the uh, 51 of the 60 kind of top uh, liberal arts colleges in America. And, th and this is what he said. He said, the people that are in that, now catch what he's saying. It's right at 9,000 professors that are on the tenure track. Now, these aren't adjuncts. These are not uh, temporary professors. These are the people that are going to be in the institution for a long time. He says that there's 10.4 uh, times as many Democrats as Republicans. And again, he says that's across the board. But then he writes some interesting things within that. He says 39% of the colleges in my sample, he says, are Republican-free. That means they have zero Republicans uh, in their institution. Now, why am I saying that tonight? Well, because we do understand there's a difference between liberalism and leftism, right? Are we, have we mentioned that in here before? I can't remember. Well, let me just spout off some things. Uh, liberalism is a kind of the a John Dewey, uh, Woodrow Wilson a model of education that what you do is you need to get all the opinions in the room, get the best and the brightest from every opinion, and that way, even if you disagree with the opinion, uh, the student then has to make up their mind uh, from, based on kind of the exposure to the best argument. Now, that used to be what they did on college campuses. They do not do that anymore. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. And, and so it's interesting, like, there, there are some colleges that are like the apex of, of what I would call leftism, and one of those is like Brown University. In Brown University, there are 60 um, Democrats to one Republican. And again, we're not talking about like, I mean, we're just saying Republican. Not every Republican's a conservative, right? Okay, thank you. I got a one. I, so not some nods, one person brave enough to say yes, right? Because we do understand that you can, you can uh, hold the views of, humanity that are against the Bible and be a Republican. So that's not even what we're talking about. Now we have this increasing kind of thing on the campus that's getting into left, leftism. So he, he goes on to say in his research, it's not, it's not only interesting where they teach, but what they're teaching. Okay, so if you had to guess tonight, here's my question. If you had to guess what the most uh, balanced uh, field of study there is on the college campus, what would you guess? Who said that? Yeah, good guess. 
That's the one that matters. Yes, Brother Brzezinski. What is it? Well, yes, but I, I want you to get way more concrete than that. I'm after, after one answer. That is exactly right, Brother Brzezinski. It is engineering. Brother, Brother uh, Turner, what did you study? Yeah, and you're a chemical engineer now, is that right? You're not a chemical engineer. I've been lying about you all over the country. I repent. That's right. My, your, your dad was, yeah, that's right. Okay, so why? why? Why do you think engineers tend to be more conservative? Why? Because it has to work. I'm so sorry. I want to just say a whole lot of smart aleck remarks right here, but I'm going to try to keep Bad Bobby. Hey, Brother Herbs, welcome. I'm going to try to keep Bad Bobby in the cage. No, just one, okay? So uh, how many have ever heard of Thomas Sowell, a Stanford professor? Okay, you should really get to know Thomas Sowell. Thomas Sowell is considered to be one of the seven brightest uh, people in the world, and, and he says that the interesting thing about college campuses is that you can spout any ideology you want to because it doesn't have to work in the real world. Or to quote Jay Budaszewski, there's some types of stupid you can only get through education. Okay, bad Bobby, put him back in the cage. Now, what am I saying? All I'm saying is when we look at things that are on a campus, you do have to understand that there is, a, uh, there is an imbalance. So the Washington Times said that dis- the disciplines with the least intellectual diversity, you ready, are communications and anthropology. There are no registered Republicans. So if you get into any humanities course, you have to realize you're outnumbered. Okay, you're going to be you're going to feel very alone in the classroom because you're very alone in the classroom. Right? So that's the uh, one of the issues that were uh, taken. Now, it's interesting to me that there's three fields of study that have a ratio that's greater than 40 to 1. Now, some of them like I can understand, like sociology. Uh, Remember, modern sociology was born out of an impulse to explain uh, human social behavior and interaction from a non-Christian perspective. It was made to replace um, kind of the Christian things that they did on campus. So we can, how many think, okay, I can understand sociology? Like the average humanities paper, how many footnotes does it have in terms of research? The number one, zero. It's true. Don't believe me. Look it up. That wouldn't work in your field of, well, I didn't think so about the term. And then the second, the, the second greatest number, of course, is one, right? And, and there's a reason for that, and I'll leave all that. I'm going to try to leave all that alone, Brother Brzezinski. Just give me dirty looks and things like that, and I'll move on. And, and the second field that's been dominated for at least the last several decades, I wish Jared was here tonight. He could talk to this, uh, having been a major in this particular area, area is English because it's been the playground of very, very liberal ideologies. Like uh, starting way back, I mean, it's way back in history. Like when you're reading Hawthorne, how many of you had to read the Scarlet Letter? Yes, hallelujah, Brother David. And so uh, how many of you had to read it in high school? Yeah. And why read Hawthorne? Well, Hawthorne writes beautifully, but he's a terrible liar. The Scarlet Letter totally misrepresents the Puritans. He, okay, I'm going to try to say this as nice as I can. He lies about the Puritans and misrepresents them on purpose so that he can move the culture away from Christian roots. Okay, now if you don't believe that, come see me. I can point you to a great little book by Kevin Swanson called Worldviews and Conflicts, and he lays out the evidence. Welcome, Brother Zach, how are you? I'm good. 
right? And then the third. Now, now, okay, so it, these are the, the ratios greater than 40 to 1. There are three of them. Now, we've said sociology, English, and what else on the liberal uh, kind of education uh, in America? What else on the campus? What would be the third one? Take a guess. <laughs> we already said the humanities. <laughs> Bad Bobby, put him back down. Yes. Uh, I'm going to shock you. It's religion. Okay, so when you get on, uh, like uh, uh, Sister Jane Claire, I know you went to a Roman Catholic uh, institution, but they probably didn't have a whole lot of conservative theology. No, they did not, right? And they reduced religion to just another part of the anthropology department. It's just kind of the religions of humanity. It's not like a desire to seek truth and paradigms for how to relate to the world. That's not, it's no longer seen as a part of that. As a matter of fact, if you go to Indiana University, it's much more aggressive. The religion department is the anti-Christianity department. Uh, and even like in uh, nice schools, like uh, or nicer schools, like... Um, you know, University of Indianapolis, you might even get cussed at in the first class, in the first five minutes, like we've already told of Sister Macy Pedagogy's experience, and saying, your parents programmed religion into you, my, my job is to program it out. And, and it used to be that on a college campus, we used to pursue things like truth. And, and of course, uh, that's what we're saying. So uh, let, let me see if I can give you a couple, like, uh, for instance, uh, where college campuses have moved today is away from, John Dewey would hate it, which is shocking, because it's about social activism now and using education as a means to uh, bring your ideology into a group. I'll prove it to you. Uh, so, uh, there's a current post postmodern professor, Stanley Fish. This is what he says about the so-called need for diversity of views on college campus, including yours, some type of conservative view. He says, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. You don't want to build up your opponent's arguments. You want to squelch them. So you ready? There's intentional ideological bias named as that's what I'm going to do. It's no longer hidden. So uh, maybe a short 40 years ago or so, uh, maybe a little less than that, when Brother uh, Readout was at Indiana University, uh, they said, you know, uh, uh, things like... Um, Journalism has come of age that we no longer need to pretend that we're unbiased. It is a platform to influence. Now it's happening not only in journalism, but every field of study, even the law. Now, if you have, now remember, who, one of the most successful lawyers in our day. You guys okay? I'm just kind of talking out of the things I've been thinking about around where you guys are. Like uh, Dershowitz, right? Alan Dershowitz, the Jewish guy, he's the most prominent uh, uh, arguably the best known, uh, most used lawyer in uh, that field in America, right? Uh, Dershowitz. Now, what's interesting is he's a li very, very liberal Jew, and he's a moral relativist. And he's teaching the law. I mean, we see a problem. Again, uh, all of those attacks that are going on, and again, on the college campus is a, a, a big deal. I'll give you one more example, a little a testimony I was reading about today, one young man's experience. He was a Southern Baptist. He was invited uh, by the instructor to write an opinion piece. Anger. Because I promise you, this is what you're going to have to find out, whether or not your professor is actually open to your opinion. Because I know at least three professors on the campus I was on that if you said anything conservative, they tried to flush you out of the program. Right? So that's activism, right? 
So he said, write an opinion piece on this, traditional marriage. And being a Southern Baptist young man, he thought, well, if I'm going to be intellectually honest, I'm going to have to say that my faith informs what I believe about the concept of traditional marriage. So it was an opinions piece, right? So he made the mistake of thinking that his professor actually wanted his opinion. So he wrote that. And and when he would quote the Bible, there was notes and there, there was things written in the margin on the footnotes. He's like, when he would quote the Bible, which Bible are you talking about? Are you talking about the Aramaic Bible, the Greek Bible, the Hebrew Bible? As if somehow the language would uh, somehow be sharpened by the Hebrew or the Greek or something. I guess it could be. And, and at the end of that, there were scribblings all throughout his paper, and at the end it was rejected, as, and this was the reason that it was justified as being rejected, because it's a sermon, and he says, and I quote, I reject your dogma. And he received an F. And one of his friends who was with him in the class said, after that, no matter what he wrote, he never got above a C in the class. Okay, so issues that you're facing in the classroom. Now, what you were saying was, Brother, Brother Kilman, well, that you're talking about like the 50-some out of the 60 major Ivy League schools, uh, and, and my college isn't that bad. Well, the thing that you need to understand, it's just not that bad yet. Because remember, these are the schools that every other institution is measuring themselves against and chasing after. Uh, I'm trying to say that as nice as I can. So I just come to say tonight, and then I'm going to move on very quickly, Number one, that in the classroom, you are outnumbered. On the campus, you are outnumbered. Right? So the second thing, issues in the classroom. The second thing is issues on the campus. Now, what does that look like? Well, it looks like peer pressure because you're the minority around issues like we've already talked about. Anthropology, multiculturalism, intersectionality, homosexuality, abortion, euthanasia. All of these types of things, you've got to understand, I'm going to be a minority view on the campus. And so here's the fundamental things that you have to wrestle with. Am I looking for acceptance? If you're looking for accept acceptance, you better get it in this room and in this church. You ready? You cannot, and I'm going to quote again, Jay Budaszewski. He says that the big issue, like in the first century, is they killed Christians, and we lost less, less uh, Christians than we're losing right now on college campuses. Why? Because we think this, this big trap, I'm going to name it again because I think it's one of the biggest points you need to understand. If I'm nice enough, they will like me. No, it's not true. They hated Jesus, and they're going to hate you. It's not personal. They just hate the God you stand for. Now, you can be liked. You just got to fly so covertly that no one ever knows you're a Christian. It's very hard for you to be salt and light on a college campus unless you're uh, at some level engaging your faith with your peers. So again, that's going to put you in the minority position. And, and so the right attitude is, uh, who am I? Well, this is what you are on a college campus. You are a missionary. You have to say to yourself every day when you walk on the campus, I don't belong here. I just go here. I belong to God. Okay? And so that means you're neither looking for their acceptance or their affirmation. You must get that from God. I'll point this out quickly and move on. Genesis 6, 9, I think, is a, a huge verse of Scripture to kind of nail down some things in your heart and spirit. When it speaks of Noah, uh, the Hebrew is very strong. Elohim hithalak Noah. And, it, and literally, it's translated, with God, Noah walked. Now, in the King James, it's translated, Noah walked with God. And that smooths it out, and that's wonderful, and that's okay. 
But I'm just saying that you have to understand the emphasis of the Hebrews to say, with God first, Noah walked. And so the, in the middle of a very, very violent culture, uh, the scripture teaches us in Genesis 6, there lived a just man. In the middle of, of tons of corruption morally, you ready? There was a blameless man. And in the middle of incredible wickedness, a man walked with God. And that's what you got to say. If Noah could walk through violence, corruption, and wickedness, you ready? And he walked with the Lord, then I can do this on the college campus as long as I know that I got to walk with God first. And we don't have time to deal with it in the text. You look at Genesis 6, what the Lord says about Noah and how his, his life was governed by the word of God, the revelation of God. It was governed by eternal things, not temporal things. And you ready? That was lived out in actions or obedience. And again and again and again. You, uh, just when you got time in your devotions, when you're reading through Genesis, hit Noah and look at how many times it says, and, and Noah obeyed the Lord in all I promise you, if you have that attitude and spirit, uh, you, can, you can not only survive, but thrive in any environment the Lord calls you to, including college campuses. Okay? All right, so uh, the only other thing I would say about dealing with uh, issues on the campus is uh, you have an incredible resource available uh, to you here. So ask for help. Sister Kate, I'm going to praise you again for walking into my office and, and handing me that uh, kaleidoscope of gender book and talking to me about candidly because it's, Powerful understanding of sociology and how humans interact together. And those insights can be intoxicating, you ready? And they can pull you in. And you have to realize, man, I understand that this can be powerfully alluring, but I got to approach this from a Christian worldview. But knowing how the world works and those things, I promise there, is, there are tons of people that have already walked, walked the roads that you are walking, and you can maybe uh, pull Sister Kate aside and say, hey, I'm dead in the middle of sociology. How did you deal with it? Right, because uh, Sister Kate's here tonight, and she's been through a sociology course. She did not lose her faith. And you can talk about the power of uh, of truth and the power of the Spirit to moor you uh, through some of those uh, darkest issues in life. So, uh, you ready? Ask for help. Don't be afraid to come to somebody. It is not. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom to say I'm dealing with things and I don't know how to deal with them alone. I have some questions, I have some temptations, I have some things that my peers are asking me, I have some things that I'm facing, and I need some help. Again, I'm going to say it again, you have a wealth of resources in this room, and I know you know that, but again, take advantage of them. And, and then the third thing, the last area, are the issues in the dorms, and we don't have it tonight. I, I created a PowerPoint, and I decided to leave it at home, because I, I thought at the end of the day, I mean, you don't. I can't even put some of these pictures up. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye, the pride of life, all of those are out of control on college campuses. And so what does that look like? Three things. Be faithful. If you're going to face the issues in the dorms and survive, what we mean candidly by that, temptation. Uh, if you're going to face those, be faithful. Be faithful to the house of the God. You ready? And second, be accountable. And then thirdly, be in the right peer groups. Now, why is that important? Because it's both a strength and an accountability. And you will need both multiple times. You will need the strength of fellowship here. And you will need the accountability of fellowship here. Now, I don't want to do 
I don't want to do damage to anyone, but I remember a young man coming up to me uh, many, uh, not many, a few years ago, maybe four, five, six years ago, somewhere in there. And he said to me, Brother Kilman, there was this young lady. I was out. We were, I pr probably shouldn't have been hanging out with her, but they were in a setting and she was very nice and they had a lot in common. And he said, the only thing that kept me on track was knowing that my roommate was going to say, bro, it's after this time, where are you? And you will need that kind of accountability. You need somebody. Now, I know we got some people missing. I imagine it's the throes of finals. Because, you know, you just got to finish. And, you know, if procrastination gets you, Jesus ain't the will. And so I get that. But you ready? If somebody misses maybe three or four young adult services in a row, one of you who are a true friend need to call and say, hey, I'm just checking, making sure everything's okay. Why? Because the Bible says to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as many would in the last days, but gather even the more so as you see the day approaching. Why? Because you have strength here. You get strength by being here and being with the right people. Okay, so that means candidly, don't hang out with morons, hang out with saved folks. You can only hang out with so many people that want to do bad things so long without being influenced by it, right? Because again, so, so be accountable and help one another. And it's, it's not meant to put your foot on somebody's back and press them down with condemnation. It's meant to help them and say, look, I'm watching for you. Are you okay? I want to make sure that you can weather this and get on the other side of the college experience. You ready? And be saved. Okay, so now I'm going to say it one more time. Don't hang out with morons. If they're not saved and they're not affirming godly things, run away. Do not be friends with them. You can try to reach them, but you can't have them in your inner circle. Okay, all right. Now, what does that look like? I'll give you a concrete application. If you're in a setting in the dorms, all you have to do is do like this and nudge Jesus. Say, hey, Jesus, do you like me? And if he would say no, you have him with you. Please. I remember I, I was at a place. It was actually called a family billiards place. I was trying to reach my cousin Stephen and win him back to the Lord. And the only thing we had in common that we could do together was shoot pool. And so we went to a family billiards place. And, and during the weeknights, it was pretty, you know, uh, there was like maybe three or four of us in there. And it was okay. But then I, I started going like on Friday nights with it. Well, it's a bar without the drinking. I mean, it's like smoking, and I mean, it's grousing, and there's probably some dealing happening on the side. And it finally, I just remember, I'm like, okay, one of my caveats was just nudge Jesus and say, are you okay being here? And I was like, Jesus is not okay being here. Okay, the, it works the same way in entertainment. You ready? Whatever you're watching or listening to, just nudge Jesus. Hey, did you think that was funny? Because you have Jesus with you. And that means there are some things that you're going to have to say, okay, I have to turn that off or I have to get up, you ready, and walk out of here. It, you can sometimes find yourself in a situation where you fall into temptation, right? But don't put yourself in the middle of temptation. Don't go to places you know you shouldn't be. Why? Because if I cut anybody in this room, you bleed red. You're human. So you ready? One of the best ways to survive the dorms of college, or the, if you allow me to say that is a catch-all term for the culture of temptation you ready? Is simply this. Don't put yourself to be tempted and uh, above that which you're able. Okay, the way to maintain victory is not resisting temptation. 
It's not putting yourself in the position to be tempted. And when you fall into temptation, again, I'm going to say it again, you're not leaning against that door of temptation to where the door opens and you fall through it because you've been flirting with that thing way too long. Now, I'm going to talk very candid. I'll just say as a young man that, that whenever I found myself in the middle of failure, that was why. I put myself in the position to be tempted above what I was able. And if you violate the, this principle of God, God, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I promise you, doesn't matter how much you fast and pray, you have violated the word of God and you will not have victory. Now what that means then is when your friend disappears for a while, you have to know, okay, probably something's going on. I need to help pull them back from temptation. And that's why you need this room. That's why you need this church because it's both, I'm going to repeat it again, a strength and an accountability, and you will need both multiple times. Okay? I know that's pretty strong. All right, and the last thing I'm going to say. What, 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 why is all this important? Because at the end of the day, God intends your life to affect the world. To say it the way Jesus says it in Matthew uh, chapter 3, he says, ye are the salt of the earth. And that means you are the only agent of change. And if you can make it through these processes, and, and again, get an education that makes you money. Don't take underwater basket weaving. If you're going to spend 40, 30, 40, 50 grand, make sure you have a marketable career when you leave. Okay, but, but that said, um, you have to realize that God intends your life to bless the world. Like I, I'm going to tell Sister Tamara Faulkner. Tamara Faulkner went to school and became a doctor. And she told me, she came and, and, and had a very, very blunt, candid conversation with me. And she said, Brother Kilman, I am always taught to bring my worldview to my work. And, and I haven't found very many people that will show me how to do that. So I was like, hey, yeah, let's go. You know, it's like saying, stick them to a dog. Let's go. And so uh, we walked through issues of life, and I, I pointed her out to some really incredible resources. I gave her a, uh, I think it was like a, a maybe a 15-pack of CDs that, from people that I trust that uh, have issues like how do you treat abortion and euthanasia and all of the big ideas in her field. And, and she told me later, uh, just a few years later, she said, Brother Kilman, I worked at two Catholic institutions that both claim to be pro-life. And one is pro-life in position, and the other one is pro-life in actuality. She said, because in one institution, they say they're Catholic and pro-life to keep their donors and keep their morgues into the Catholic church, but they have no problem prescribing pills that they know will abort a baby. She says, but the other institution works really hard at preserving life. And you ready? She quit working at one place to go to the other place. Why? Because her worldview is meant to save babies. You ready? Your worldview is meant to bless life. I, I, we don't have time to deal with it in detail tonight, but whatever you think about President Trump, right? He's probably a megalomaniac. And I know, please don't shoot me later, you know. But I will just tell you that if you look at how many conservative a court appointments that he's made, not just the Supreme Court, Brother Brzezinski, but across all the appellate courts. It's uh, arguably, there's great data on this. It's probably 20 to 30 years of decision. It's around 40,000 uh, of decisions in a court that are now appointed, you ready, from people who are lean more pro-life 
pro-family and pro-America. Now, however you feel about the election, you have to understand that God wants to put people in law. He wants to put business people in our society that will bring their Christian worldview. You ready? They will be salt and light when they interact on their jobs. And I don't mean just reaching the loss. I mean what they actually touch. You ready? That we can have teachers and educators that will say, I'm going to be Christian in my approach with these things. It may be someone like my sweet wife who could be making double the income anywhere in the, I mean, they, maybe they offered you this monster package to stay at Harshman because they needed you, and I understand. You ready? But some, some people sacrifice in their career to make less money. Why? Because they want to go to a Christian school somewhere and bless society. That's what God intends for your life. That's why you got to do what James says. Here's what I'm going to close with, that we can remain unspotted from this world. Why? Because you're the only answer. So I, I commend you for your courage to be here and to step into the roles that God wants you to have. But I, I absolutely believe that God is going to use your very life, including your careers, to bless the world around you. Why? Because you're the only source of blessing. Okay, so stay strong, stay connected, and when you hit issues, ask for help and let the Lord shape your life for what he intends. Stay with me tonight. See, I was going to preach short, didn't I? Some of y'all didn't believe. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is what I want you to do. Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, thank you for being here tonight. I know it's terrible putting sisters beside each other. What do you do? But, you know, I, I, again, you know, what you need is a peer group that will help you and strengthen you, and you can find that in this room. All right, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you. You ready? If you have, if you have issues that, that you're facing, temptations around the classroom or on the campus or, or in the dorms, in those categories, then ask somebody for help. Don't fight alone. That's a trap of the enemy. There is help in this room right now, and you can reach out and ask people for, you ready, accountability. I just need you to kind of stay uh, connected with me because may maybe you need to call me and make sure that I'm actually uh, in the dorm room at a certain time. Why? I don't know. Mama Kilman used to have a philosophy that nothing good happens after midnight, baby. What you doing out after midnight? And I know that's not true because, you know, I go to IVC, and, you know, you can curfew sometimes extended to two. I don't know that anything good happens then, brother Zach. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not trying to teach you, treat you like you're teenagers. You're young adults. You ready? So that means the policing and the responsibility of this rests on you now. So reach out to somebody again. Talk, turn to somebody next to you. Say, I'm glad you're here. Now, now maybe add this. Say, because I need you. And we do need one another. All right, we can make this we can make this thing together. Amen. All right. Well, uh, Amy's got some snacks back there. I, I, Brother Brzezinski, if you want to come up and uh, here, I, I'm gonna say I just say this, and then I'm gonna turn it over to him. Uh, I I would challenge you to ask the tough questions. We got a Q and A coming up. We have some really really uh, st strong people that have, have studied in detail some of these things. So you ready? Ask the tough questions. Uh, and make this a meaningful thing. And I know you'll not only bless this group, but th this group is blessing lots of people all over the country because a lot of people are listening. And uh, you can help us with that.